0: Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living with this disease. Before we dive into this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit, charitable organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just purchase a copy of Doing Diabetes Differently or click the Donate link on my website. Number two, stay engaged on all things social media, sign up for the e-newsletter, and subscribe to my newly updated YouTube channel where this episode will soon be live. Enough rambling, let's get started. Today's guest, Scott and Poppy Kinzel, popped on my radar after reading a heartfelt Facebook post about not letting type 1 diabetes slow life down after her recent diagnosis. Scott is an entrepreneur and photographer, and Poppy is a 7th grade, multi-sport athlete who competes at a very high level. I don't even know what competing at a very high level means, but we're going to dive into that here in a second. So welcome to the show. And where are you calling in from? Our house, Houston. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I want to know from the two of you right off the bat is let's talk about your diagnosis story.
1: Yeah. So I think our story is very similar to a lot of others that I've read about. Poppy, like you said, she's an athlete which is kind of relevant here she texted me from school and said she couldn't finish the 800 meter warm up run in pe which honestly i thought was kind of funny just given how much she runs in her normal life right so i just texted her and said okay you know drink some water you'll be fine and then later that afternoon at school she texted me and said she was dizzy or lightheaded so we scheduled an appointment with her pediatrician. Went straight over there after school. Wait, we went to Starbucks first and got a sandwich and a fruit drink <laughs> probably 2,000 calories worth of food and 80 carbs. And went to the pediatrician who did blood and urine. He looked at her chart, and he saw that there was some weight loss, and he diagnosed her with unintentional eating disorder. Ash was
0: Let me ask you really quick with that, because that was a new term. Whenever I spoke to you guys, what is, did he give you a definition as to what that looks like? Because you think of disorder, it's something that is brought on. Intentional. Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So his explanation and I did, I was very curious because again, she had just eaten 2000 (laughs) calories and post-school snack. And he explained that sometimes teens In middle school, I guess, in a pretty sensitive time of their life, will all of a sudden look in the mirror and like the way they look in their clothes Mm. and start to regulate caloric intake or eliminate certain foods or and then just gradually start losing weight because I guess calories are going down. So that was the diagnosis, which Poppy (laughs) eats a lot, like as much as I do. And, and it's, it's shocking, honestly, her and her brothers, and this is audio only, but she's, you know, five, six and 105 pounds. She's very lean, but she eats a lot. So I just, the diagnosis was very perplexing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: There was some weight loss, but other than that, there weren't many other symptoms that we caught. Right. She had cramped up a few times while she was sleeping, but we kind of attributed that to soccer and heat and dehydration. Sure. So we left the pediatrician's office with a business card of a nutritionist. And I was about to place a pizza order for dinner that night. If (laughs) I mean, if she needed calories, let's go get some calories. So Poppy, Poppy, I think, was pretty excited about the whole (laughs) deal. (laughs) So a nurse in that office came out, walked down the hall, put her hand on my shoulder before we actually got out of the building, the office building. And she said, would you please turn around and come back to your room? We've got a few additional things we need to talk about. So that's when the urinalysis came back and her blood sugar was through the roof. And we were very fortunate that this nurse, her son, was diagnosed in college Mm. and was NDKA and, and just, it was the classic story. So she actually, when she heard the symptoms, despite what the doctor had said, just sat there and waited for those results expecting to see blood sugar numbers that were got high. Well, sure enough, they were. And then obviously we then just got into that, that whole process of straight to the emergency room, lots of things. Yeah. Well, let me
0: ask you really quick and poppy, this is for you. So you get this type one diabetes diagnosis. You're sitting in your doctor's office. Did you have any idea what diabetes was?
2: I mean, I had a friend on my old soccer team and she had it. So, I mean, I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't really know what it truly was. So
0: kind (laughs) of, well, maybe that's a, I guess a good thing. I don't know. And so (laughs) Scott, what are you thinking through this whole period? You're like, I mean, my I remember my mom bawling in the my pediatrician's office and we as we went to the ER. So were you like, what's going on here? Because you have no family history, correct?
1: No family history. I did some quick Googling as they were trying to find a vein and couldn't because she was so, so dehydrated. Depleted. Yeah. So I had a little time to do some some work and text some doctor friends. And but you know. In that moment, more than any moment in my life, I realized my daughter is looking for me, looking at my reaction. Right. And she is trying, she is going to react to this like I react to this. Right. So I just had a considerable period of time while we were in the fire of trying to get needles in, trying to get rehydrated, trying to get insulin in her body. And I just had to be a rock, even though inside I was complete mush to her. I had to to be a rock. And so I think I did okay for 70% of our time in the hospital. But, you know, it's, we got little patient throughout the night. of. well, you have, you know, cause it's like, is this type one or, or type two or. Yeah. And so you just slowly start to get, oh, this is type one. And then you start to get, well, that means you're going to be insulin dependent for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. kind of, okay, that's not something I was expecting to hear. And <laughs> then you kind of start to move through those various phases of getting these big chunks of information that are like, whoa, okay, got to process that and somehow boil it down to terms that a teenager can understand and relate to and, you know, grasp. So, yeah. So that we were in the hospital for five days, six days. Mm -hmm. And I'd say.
0: Which is rare. I mean, that's like you got, I I know you don't want to be in the hospital, but getting that much time gave you more time to really grasp what's going on. Yeah,
1: it did. And there was a lot of different, a lot of her nurses had type one. So that was very, very helpful. Just talking about get on a Dexcom or get on a pump. I mean, they were just yeah. really kind of pushing forward. I think we sh- showed some initial competency or yeah. desire to learn and move quickly. And so they were feeding us that information, which was very helpful. And then the, a large part of the, the stay was getting Poppy to order food, bolus for food and see what the reaction was. Yeah. So, so start learning the math and learning what carb ratios are and correction factors. And so she can start to conceptually understand what life is now.
0: Oh, and what food does to your blood sugar. I mean, that's like the biggest learning curve and it's a continuous one. I mean, we're all carb guessing at times. Who did the first shot? Poppy, did you pick up the needle and do it yourself? Yes, I did. <laughs> Where did you give it? Did you give it in your thigh, your arm? Where Where did we give it? I think I gave it in my stomach. I
1: was going to say stomach. Yeah, I think I, think I, I gave it in my
0: stomach. You're brave because I've only ah. given like a handful of shots in my stomach in 40 years. Like, I <laughs> always freaked me out. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, my stomach. Oh, I can't do it. Thighs were my uh, go-to as a kid.
1: In Poppy's defense, she doesn't have a lot of areas to really grab onto.
0: <laughs> yeah, <she> <laughs> Especially...
1: <laughs> Especially when she was in the hospital. I mean, she was so lean. It was just not, it was just bone. So (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of the only place that had a little cushion.
0: Oh my gosh, that's funny. I have plenty of cushion. I I didn't at that point, (laughs) I was so skinny, but I've got plenty of room now. And so, you know, the whole misdiagnosis. And I think one of the things, Scott, which I really liked about your story, and we'll get into what you want to say to parents, but that you realize the misdiagnosis, you approach it, I want to say, in a very respectful manner, because I think I would have freaked out in that scenario, but good on you for that. Poppy, good on you for taking the first shot (laughs) and all the things, because that's a big, that's a big leap of faith. But I want to talk about, let's start. So we we talked about your hospital time. What's your current daily regimen? Do you use an insulin pump, a CGM? I use an insulin pump. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to say what kind? Because it does make a difference. It's okay if you don't. I use the Omnipod 5. Omnipod Fives, which means you're on the Dexcom G6. Yes. And I, it's not a fair question for you because you haven't had tons of... Let's talk about this. My God. And the reason why you're here is you were diagnosed in March of this year, yeah. <laughs> 2023. So you're new to the game. This is not like a you've been doing this for a decade. Um, <laughs> yeah. Omnipod 5. So you got the best of the best on that with like just transitioning into what life is going to be like. So let's talk about that. Your daily regimen and being younger, do you, have you taken full reins of life with type one diabetes or do your parents help out? They help out. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott, how do you not be a helicopter hovering over a parent with that?
1: You know, it's, it's a combo approach. So obviously in the first few months, I really had to get involved because she was still in school. Yeah, and it was critical to just get through the school year, so that was wild. That was a really wild few months. PE was right before lunch, and I didn't really understand the impact of exercise on insulin. And I mean, it was a complete nightmare. There was multiple times where Poppy and I were in some bathroom in our public school, like. Changing pods, things are beeping, and I'm taking selfies. And she's like, Stop it. But it was just like, let's get through this and get to summer so we can take a breath and start to kind of figure this out. So she quickly moved to a lower carbohydrate diet. It was already kind of there as a family. That's just kind of how we eat. And it made it a little easier for us. But I understood the math pretty quickly. Like I did a lot of research. I had a lot of really wonderful people in my community who have type one teens. I mean, it was every morning coffee with the parents of a type one and just sharing those war stories of this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I'm a note taker. So I would just write all this stuff down Yeah, and when things would beep and you know, whatever, I would just pull open those notes and be like, okay, this is normal.
0: <laughs> Don't freak
1: out. And so I now still currently have this running note on my phone. That's probably three pages long of little real world things that I've shared with parents of newly diagnosed teens. There's so many, as I'm sure you know, you can't write them all down. You just have to live them. So <laughs> Papi and I just had to get the 10,000 hours and we're not at 10,000 hours yet, but we're really far along, further along than maybe we should be. And so going back to your question, does she manage it? So finishing up the school year, no. Last year, this year, she has, she's been in school this week. We're back to school. And you've texted me one time.
0: One time,
2: because it was like a compression low or something.
1: Yeah, it was. It was just a text like and all the text was was a picture of her finger glucose sticker. sticker, Uh, Okay. yeah, we don't even know the terms, but just to (laughs) let me know that, hey, it's a compression low or a bad reading and no reason to respond. So we've kind of got like adopted this you act first. Approach. I mean, you know enough now that you need to take the first action. You need to figure out the carb ratio. You need to figure out correction bolus. You need to figure out when to go into activity mode and how much Gatorade to drink at soccer. And if you get stuck or you're not sure, given your schedule or when activities come, text me or call me or whatever, and I'll help you.
0: Well, and I want to give you both kudos right now because the fact that you understood that it was a compression low. Poppy took action by (laughs) testing her blood sugar with a a glucometer or tester as I is what I've always called it, you know, kind of as a backup, like, Hey, I don't feel low. Like this is weird, but you know what to do. So going into that, do you as a newly diagnosed person with type one feel your highs and lows?
2: I do. Yeah. When I'm low, I definitely feel it. When I'm like maybe like 80 and below, I definitely start to feel it. And when I'm high, Mm -hmm. I feel very sluggish and tired. Yeah.
0: And I feel like, and I have only really recognized this in the past couple of years is when I, my blood sugar is higher than I would like and the thirst. I mean, that's one of the common signs, but I didn't really put, I'm like, I'm always drinking water. I'm always drinking something. So I was like, recently my blood sugar got higher than I would have liked. And I was like, I am so thirsty. Like, I just cannot push this, you know, as I was waiting for my blood sugar to go down. So it's just one of those, a lot of people don't don't have those reactions. So you're, you're kind of lucky. I know that sounds weird, but and it's one of the things.
1: She's getting much better. She went to a, a summer camp called Camp Sweeney, which is a type one camp. And yep. it's an amazing place. And we had to, when we were in the hospital, they told me that she could go to her old <laughs> summer camp. Mm-hmm. I then called the, my friend over there at that camp. I won't name the name. Mm-hmm. But he said, it's just too soon. We'd love yeah. for her to experience with her type one before she comes to summer camp. So we had to scramble to get into Sweeney. And I am so glad we did because that just the timing of it was perfect, but it just boosted her awareness of going low and also just seeing other kids manage their diabetes Mm -hmm. and manage their devices and I mean, it, it was, I, I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall to see the whole thing because when we picked her up, I mean, it was just tears. Like literally everybody <laughs> there was crying and I was like, what happened? And she was like, no, these are, these are, we're all just really sad we're leaving. So I, I think that camp, and that was 18 days.
0: Yeah. Oh, 18, that's a long time. Yeah.
1: So just the knowledge she got from that camp was, it was just like a fast forward button. I mean, she, her. Right. It, change the learning curve. So our challenge at this point is activity, insulin and meals. Like when you have activity near meals, it's very, very difficult. And especially within an hour and a half soccer practice, right before dinner at eight o'clock at night, it's, it's tricky. No, (laughs)
0: there's (laughs) so many things. And just like you talking about PE being before lunch, like, when I was a kid, and that was decades ago, I would have to eat a graham cracker before I went into PE. Like that was kind of the protocol just, and you know, I didn't have a blood tester. I don't think in elementary school, I don't remember, but (laughs) I mean, like that is so tricky. And so that was like a preventative thing because we didn't know my blood sugar at the time. So PE lunch, then after school, you're doing all kinds of soccer track. What all are you doing right now? Soccer and then
1: I'm going to do school volleyball. Starts Monday. Yes. Volleyball. So, we, no? so, so listen yeah, to exactly. this. For all you type one folks out there, she's <laughs> got to be at her school. There's a 13-year-old at 6.30 in the morning.
2: Monday through Thursday.
1: Monday through Thursday what? for an hour and a half long volleyball practice.
2: Right before school starts. Right and then before i have to school. go right into my first class.
1: <laughs> and then she'll go to soccer. Also 6.30 to 8, but p.m. So 6:30 a.m. to 8 a.m. volleyball, 6:30 p.m. to 8 p.m. soccer. So that'll that be is fun. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna, that's
0: going to be an interesting. And with your age, things are going to start changing. And yeah, yes, hormones play a vicious. <laughs> they're they're rough. They are rough. <laughs> but you've already got a good handle on things, and you've got the right devices and the tools and everything that you need. So you'll you'll figure it out, I'm sure. Is there anything that you found, Puppy? That is like blows your mind when it comes to eating or because a lot of people complain about pizza. I don't have a problem with pizza and, but I'm (laughs) gluten. I don't know. So is, are you having any food problems?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I think we manage it pretty well, but pizza, I mean, I've had it, but it's just harder because with all the
0: stuff in it, (laughs) there's a lot. Yeah, fat, and then the tomato sauce and the hit. Okay. Have you, have you been shocked either one of you by anything that you eat? That's let's just say healthy. And I'll say, ask, uh, there's one in particular that blew my mind when I figured out, is there something that you found that had carbs that you were shocked by?
1: <laughs> well, there's been two instances where <laughs> she has decided oh, yeah. to eat low carb, which was mm-hmm. a hamburger patty and like a salad. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't do really much insulin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe none, honestly.
2: Yeah, none.
1: And she like out at once on that trip. We ate a hamburger, went to bed, and overnight she went to like 250 from 120. <laughs> and I was like, "What was in <laughs> that hamburger?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it
2: happened twice. Like it happened the other day. Which it happened last on, week. Yeah. yeah, we were on a trip, and I decided I to eat a hamburger. hamburger. Caddy, and it was like oh no i'll go high
1: so so uh, sometimes hamburgers and i know it might be the fat the protein but yeah just the spikes have been crazy times have been pretty alarming and it's frustrating because like she's trying to do the right thing
0: <laughs> right
1: you know and stick with yeah. this kind of this plan we have put together and it um, doesn't work <laughs> and then it didn't work and it's like okay I guess we can.
0: well and here's the crazy thing is maybe next week if you tried it again it would work like that's yeah. the thing yeah and what the vegetable that blew my mind was broccoli you're thinking i'm eating broccoli this is so healthy this is so good yeah. no it has a lot of carbs yeah. i still eat it still love it and whatever but um yeah. that's um,
1: where the <laughs> pump is so yeah valuable as a parent of a teen. meaning you can mess up and immediately start to correct it yeah and that's you know, we are so new to this, so we mess up a lot. And just knowing I've got the ability to go in and correct. So like I keep her, I was listening to something that this host who has type one was saying, you're in your room or asleep, roughly 10 to 12 hours a day. And mm-hmm. if you really want to keep your numbers in a good range, if you're focused on that, those 10 or 12 hours are your best opportunity because you're not doing anything you're just sleeping there aren't right. as many variables and i know there's the dawn effect and a lot of that stuff but fewer variables so one of the things i do is I, I sleep with her omnipod controller in my room and then i have a sugar pixel and if she's high, you know midnight i'll just start giving correction boluses you That's know true. on top of the little ones that the the algorithms do just doing it, yeah, yeah just to aggressively pull her down at night because I know she's not going to go low and she's just laying there asleep or not super yeah. low. So sure. that's a great thing for parents and teens who are new to this, that ability to start making corrections.
0: Yeah. I that's such a difficult one. Cause I just was in a meeting this week and talking about the fact that I was, cause I'm still on multiple daily injections, getting up in the middle of the night because of a hormone shift and giving insulin injections. It's different with the pump because it's, it's more of a controlled. So, you know, I even said in this testimony that it was dangerous and it, you know, it depends on how you administer things. I mean, there's so many factors there and that's what I love about these conversations is it's different for everybody and yep. you, you try to find your rhythm and hopefully you do and it works for a while and then things change a little bit. And so it's, I think one of the things that somebody said recently is with the hype one diabetes, you've got to learn how to pivot. And I yeah. think as an athlete, your mindset is, especially on the soccer field, you got to, you got to pivot, you got to do something else. And yeah. so hopefully type one diabetes will help with that in your profession or your career with that.
1: As a, you know, as an example, the CGM, I mean, I was pretty close to throwing in the towel on the CGM. We had, <laughs> we had fun of just rough, rough sensors or what, you know, devices. Just really bad readings for weeks and weeks, and we were on the arm, or we did it on Letting. the stomach, or oh, hip, yeah. or we tried everywhere, and finally, I'm not sure why she put it on her did inner thigh.
2: Because I think I saw, I think you, um,
1: maybe a friend or yeah. something had it. Are we way. just like,
2: oh, let's just do it on the
1: And we have not put it anywhere else. It's been so incredibly accurate for the last. Yeah few months and as you know when that works
0: yeah stuff Stick gets a lot
1: yeah. yeah
0: yeah i got a funny story to tell you poppy really quick because i have a good friend in australia <laughs> i've interviewed her on the podcast and she was the first person that ever said that she'd put it on her inner thigh <laughs> well and she was like well my thighs touch
1: <laughs> So
0: she was always hurt that her mess she was always messing things up so it's it's crazy thin <laughs> <laughs> and long long and lean and i got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> okay, so I wanna jump into really quick. And like I said, the heartfelt Facebook post that I, how I I met Scott and got to meet Poppy is, let's talk about the polar plunge. I mean, you guys did oh, cool. not skip a beat and most people don't get to travel like this. So let's talk about that.
1: So this trip had a lot of ups and downs, but briefly I'm I'm a photographer and I like to go kind of off the grid and photograph big wild things. And my last big trip was a great white trip and I did it by myself. And when I got back, I was like, okay, my kids are old enough now that I need to to grab one and take them with me so they can experience this and help me and learn the craft and see the work that goes into the creative process. Right. So my oldest Max, Poppy's brother, he was kind of first on the list. And so we had, scheduled a trip for him to go to Uganda and photograph the gorillas there and poppy immediately was like okay where am i going like you scheduled his trip so (laughs) clearly mine's gonna be like the next week (laughs) so and i said well how about this how about you just pick an animal and then i'll start to build a trip around the animal so she picked she picked polar bear which was probably the one animal i was hoping she wouldn't pick because <laughs> it's very hard to see a polar bear in the wild. Despite all the pictures you see, it's yeah. fairly challenging on the at where we were. So I booked the trip and this was pre-diagnosis. So this was a almost three week long process to the polar ice cap or the Arctic circle right. and poppy without type one. That was still an extremely challenging scenario to get a a 13-year-old girl to the football basically on an expedition cruise with only nine other adults and no kids. So they did not want to allow kids and we we reached an agreement that they would let her come, which was amazing. And then when they asked for her medical forms, that was post-diagnosis. So I just tried to email them that form with like ten other random things, so they maybe wouldn't see that she'd been (laughs) diagnosed. Of course, they caught it immediately, and they called me and they said, "Okay, we made an exception for a minor on the boat, which has never been done. Now you're asking us to make an exception for someone with type one or or you know a a medical condition because there was no medical staff on the boat."
0: Yeah.
1: Said, "Look, send me your waiver." And I'll sign it or your release. I said I got her. It'll be okay. So they, to their credit, they said, "All right, let's do it."
0: You're lucky. That's great.
1: It was amazing. It was amazing. So the trip was: you fly to the it's northernmost well, city in the world, which is a place called Longyearbyen in Norway, and then you get on a boat and then you go straight up for two days to where you hit the frozen polar ice cap. And this boat was not super fancy is what i'll say it's more of a <laughs> it's it, not a cruise ship it's an expedition boat there's only 20 people on the boat right. so and it's built to break ice so it's real tall real narrow and it's like it's like a you know like a razor blade through the ice so when you get out in the open seas it doesn't do so well it's Kinda very it's very tall and very oh narrow. lord so this is uh just a typical type one thing I had <laughs> three or 400 Zofran pills in my bag because I'd read all these horror stories about you don't want a type one to For start out. yeah so I mean I was prepared to be super aggressive with the Zofran <laughs> <laughs> so first night we turned the corner we're going around this archipelago and the surf's really high the waves really high and poppy looks at me and the dreaded Dad, I'm nauseous. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have no idea how many of these things are safe, but let's start with one and then we'll see what happens. So I gave her one. I think he went sound asleep.
2: Oh yeah, I fell asleep. Then, but I wasn't feeling very well.
1: No, it was I was I did not sleep that night, but I was just watching her like, don't, don't throw up. <laughs> so yeah. she was fine. She made it through that night. But then literally everybody on the boat got seasick because it was really, really rough. And so True. I became like the boat pharmacist. Like I would get these <laughs> knocks on the door like, hey, really uh, <laughs> more that Zofran. <laughs> like yes, I did. Well, life the lifetime is the plow. So that kind of created a lot of good chemistry with everybody on the boat. So we we went all the way around this archipelago. It's called Svalbard and went out on these zodiacs and we were in ice drifts and hiked on glaciers and <laughs> stood on icebergs and went after walrus. And it was just an absolutely wild trip.
0: Did but diabetes yet. rear its ugly head at any point?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few times.
1: Yeah. You know, diabetes does what diabetes does. It did what diabetes does. It just became cumbersome at times, you know, when you're trying to get in a boat and go see a bear and your alarms going off and you don't have the right low snacks and you know it just did what it does. It just tries to throw a monkey wrench in everything you're doing. But my doctor, my endo or papi's endo told me like, look, because I was nervous about
2: pulling well, yeah. it
1: off. And he said, look, you can do it. You're not gonna do it and keep the range that you keep in Houston. Oh yeah. So expand right. your range. Have a little grace. Yeah. And allow for that don't freak out if she's running hot for a little while or yeah she has a little lows because whatever and so with that framework it became much more manageable you know because we the the chef was from finland he barely spoke english and you know he was putting stuff in front of us that i still don't know what it was or what was in it <laughs>
0: Carb so, guessing at its best. It's like I have never no We kind
1: of just said, okay, let's let's start with 30 carbs. I mean, I think that's a good starting point. <laughs> so and it's one of those
0: things. Let me say too, really quick, when you're talking about the beeping and stuff, you know, I can't imagine being on some type of safari or anything like that where you want to be quiet. I mean, yeah. you couldn't, I mean, you'd be blowing, I mean, it it's a lot. So yeah, the,
1: she can tell you the story about oh, when her omnipot okay. decided to get angry.
2: So we this was like one of the last hikes for on the boat, and we went on it, and like my pod started beeping, and we Man. were like, "Oh God!" I just started hearing. I was like, "Oh no!"
1: So we're hiking <laughs> on a glacier in the middle of nowhere. There's not a sound. You cannot hear a thing, and then other than this mechanical or electronic <laughs> beep, like that's all you can hear.
2: <laughs> and then so like I told I told you you were like oh yeah but you just like you, I was like oh yeah it's just gonna keep beeping and he was like okay okay and then he, he, then he looks at me and he goes
1: take just take okay. it off <laughs> okay she looked at me like so I was crazy she was off. like you want me to take my pot off right on the middle of this glacier <laughs> and I said let's do it and stomp on it and quit beeping and then
2: put it in the water bottle and
1: then put it in our water bottle so that we don't litter on the glacier and you know <laughs> and it was one of those moments where I was like okay Poppy, why was that why were we able to do that and do you understand you know the mechanics behind you not needing a pod right now because I'm yeah
2: you know? and so
1: and so it was like a teaching moment where Yeah, I could tell she understood that like okay I'm hiking my risk is going low not high I don't need insulin you know we're we're good and
2: And then I was eating smarties up the mountain because (laughs) because I was going low
0: so you had your yeah
1: there were so many things on that trip where I was kind of like Poppy, I'm fairly confident nobody has done that on an iceberg like what you just did (laughs) With your Dexcom or your Omnipod or just like eating nine <laughs> starbursts. Like nobody's done that. These are like first. I I like
2: you Seriously. Just, he, one like, time, he didn't think guy. I was going to go low. Well, he brought a little, like a some, not yeah. a lot of sugar, but some. And he had like a box of sweet and they're like the small little candies. <laughs> and he made me eat the whole box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, it's one of those things, too, when you travel, because I've learned the hard way that like, if you're taking a road trip, you can't have things that are going to melt in the car. So in a scenario where it's going to be super cold, Starburst, I'm sure, were hard on your teeth. I mean, they're no longer gummy. Uh huh.
1: Well, what would happen is it wasn't like this is going to be an hour and a half hike. Well, we would get off these little Zodiacs and step onto this glacier and somebody would see like a fox and they'd be (laughs) like. We're going to walk all the way over there and try to see that box again. Well, that could be a mile and a half. So it was just this constant, you know, so I took her Apple
2: watch.
1: And put it on my wrist. So it was still reading, but she didn't have to look at it. And I could, and I held the snack just because I didn't want that extra weight on her when we were hiking. Yeah. Made the sugar go down faster. So I was just looking at this watch and I was like, when is this is the never ending hike? It's like, we're going to hike all over the Arctic and because there was no end point. So you didn't know like when to stop the sugar, right. um, when to adjust the plan. But again, as stressful as it was for me and for her at times, it was a wonderful learning experience to know that you can throw another 25 variables into the equation that yeah. you can't control and still if you're focused and you're paying attention, you're mm-hmm. cognizant of what's going on, you can manage it. You can absolutely manage it. And yeah, 100%. that was, you know, the, the big thing for me was I need to prove to my daughter that three months post-diagnosis or four months, <laughs> you can go to the North pole and you can be absolutely fine on a boat with no doctor And again, there's risk. I don't want to minimize the risk, but if you so choose, you can do those things. And Poppy has a great attitude about life anyway, but I needed that confidence level to say exactly where it is, if not go up some, like I am, I can do these things. I can do anything I want to do. And I think maybe we, we did that. We accomplished that.
0: Yes. Well, oh, that'sn't not many people in the world can say they've been done anything like that. But she jumped <laughs> in the water. We did the plunge.
2: Yes. So I think so they were like, oh yeah, like we were in this like cool like ice glacier area. And they were like, because like we wanted to do it. And it's like a lot of people, they were like, Oh yeah, th- we're gonna do the polar punch today. And then we got ready and then we jumped in. <laughs> and
1: they tie a rope around you
2: i okay. so cold
1: because I think people underestimate just how cold yeah. thirty yeah. degree water. So if you go is. into like
0: shock, they can pull yes. you out. or can, yeah, yeah. Because like
1: when I got got it it.
2: when I got in it, I thought I was gonna die.
1: <laughs> well, this <laughs> was a pretty loud and boisterous group, and everybody I think had the intention of jumping in and putting on a show or doing the backstroke or whatever.
2: Like swimming through an ice.
1: Go to the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> And every single person, I think, walked on water. As soon as they hit it, it was whoosh, straight up the ladder. <laughs>
2: and oh my
1: so Poppy did it, and she, it, it was amazing. But I was kind of standing on the sidelines, and I was like, I'm not sure what's going to happen to her devices, yeah, to her blood sugar, any of it. So I kind of had like a Coke and you know, an insulin pen as a backup. Yeah. I was like, which way are we going here? Like, I have no idea what's going <laughs> to happen. So, and
0: everything worked, right? So you were the pod and the Dexcom in and think, everything yeah. came out okay.
2: I mean, the Dexcom, I mean, so like when I jumped in, I got out and I dropped like 50 points, but it was just the water because it made my Dexcom a little wonky and I finger-sticked and I was like, and said I was like,
0: 70 double down. I was like one, two. Oh, that's good. That you again <laughs> you had your you knew what to do. So yes. I have two last questions for you while we'll wrap this up. Is so Poppy, and I'm saying this because recently I was around somebody that was uh, my friend's child who asked me about my life with diabetes because he could see my my device. Yes. And he's always he's been a part of my life since he was born, and he always asks these really intense questions. So if somebody were to ask you about your life with type 1 diabetes, whether it's an an adult or a child, how would you describe this disease?
2: I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. you need a
0: minute to think, you can think about (laughs) it. Because it is, I couldn't, I stumbled through it. I really couldn't. I was trying to say autoimmune, but what is that? Yeah. You know? And he kept thinking, cause I had a bite of his ice cream. Was it because yeah. I was too much shiver as a kid? I mean, there were so many things. And so it's yeah. one of those. I know you're learning the dialogue <laughs> and you've had conversations and yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a
2: big change.
0: <laughs> big change is right. You're going to yeah. be a poster child for a lot of things <laughs> I feel like in the future with life with this disease as someone who's not letting it set them back. And if you want to say anything else about that here in a minute, please do. But I want to ask you, Scott, because I was looking at all the PSA things that you put in that one post that drew me to your family is messages to parents. So anything you want to ramble off really quick?
1: Yeah, there's about 735 things I could ramble off. (laughs) No, the first thing is, I would say is sometimes you just can't Being informed is not enough. Mm -hmm. You can read everything, you can buy all the books, you can listen to everything, but sometimes you just have to go through it and develop the confidence that you can go through it again. So just just go through it and understand that there is no perfect solution to every problem that's gonna come up. Yeah. Uh, So much of those first few months is just understanding that you can make a mistake, your child will make mistakes, but you, can, you will get there. You absolutely will get there. Just put in the work, keep a good attitude, and, and you can get there. There's so many things. I mean, one thing I would say is when the technology doesn't seem to be working, just get that finger sticker out. Yeah. Get your child or you <laughs> just comfortable. I mean, Poppy does it all day long. And I know it's not fun, but it gives her this peace of mind instantly.
2: Just to know what I really am.
1: Yeah. My my yeah. desktop spot on. This is yeah. a good one. Or it's not. And I can take the appropriate action. So I think the yeah. finger sticker is yeah. It's great. It's a great calming device.
2: <laughs> at least I do it twice a day. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just, Just to make easy.
2: sure. Yeah. Cause like sometimes that soccer I'm like like I'm coming home. Or like when I did the cold plunge, it said I was like 120, and I was like 170 from soccer. It's
0: yeah,
1: a <laughs> the, the hearing other parents face to face, if you've got people in your community, live some of this, I think is extremely helpful. Just that kind of practical, hands on knowledge and hearing them talk about it. And this is this was the most important piece of advice I got. And I know every family scenario is different, every couple's different. But this was a piece of advice that was very impactful for my family and our situation. I am a Taipei a kind of a person. My wife is complete opposite of me, which is why we love each other so much and get along so well. <laughs> when this happened, when this diagnosed, when Poppy got this diagnosis, you feel this obligation, both of you, to become experts overnight because it's mm-hmm. your child's health. And what else should you be doing other than becoming an expert in type one quickly? So we both tried to do that. And (laughs) we both tried to make decisions that were best for her. But in my professional life, I deal with crisis all day and conflict resolution and all that stuff.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So it suited my kind of skill set and personality. For her, it was just, it didn't fit. Just making those quick, sometimes misinformed, decisions based on a very limited amount of knowledge she didn't feel comfortable doing it and then there's the associated guilt of well this parent is managing it and learning it and this parent is just kind of getting left behind and so this this couple that i met with they said it was very helpful for us and it might be helpful for you just to establish who the pilot of the plane is and let that person be the pilot, especially <laughs> in the early days when there's not enough time for yeah. one to learn and teach. You're so consumed with the diagnosis and treatment and the learning that you don't explain to somebody why you're doing everything and how you're doing yeah. it. So for that first three months after my wife and I kind of agreed on and established these roles, and she had a very important role in another part of our family while I was working this, it just brought the temperature down drastically. So we could be thoughtful about how we approach Poppy, our other kids, us as a couple, and not one parent feeling guilty for not taking the lead. And this is is specific to a type one child and parents, but that really helped us be better for Penelope, and our other kids,
0: honestly. Well, I appreciate that statement. And I'm gonna say one last thing because when I was, again, in the article, it says one of the things that you wrote was, trust your gut when dealing with medical professionals like you, they are human and therefore fallible. And I think that is a very important statement, diabetes or not, you wanna trust your medical team, but you also know your body, you know your family, you know everything else. And so,
1: keep knocking on
0: the doors if you don't feel like you got what you needed.
1: The detail behind that is, this might be something you include in the podcast or not, but we were discharged after a lot of conversation about poppy's lifestyle, activity level, and all that diet and all that stuff. We were discharged with a rough estimate of about 25 units of insulin a day mm-hmm. for her, both Lantus and whatever the other one Yeah,
0: Novalog.
1: Novalog, right. So, and I was like, okay, let's go and poppy was going low all day
2: every, every night every single day every, like you would just hear a beep 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 and it was like
1: so i was kind of like and then it's very hard day 3 when your daughter's life and health are on the line to just start proactively changing
0: the, yeah. the
1: treatment plan yeah yeah that you just learned about 12 hours ago yeah, it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. But there is enough information and knowledge out there that you can get more comfortable. It's still scary,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But you get more comfortable making these slight modifications to improve the results and prevent the lows. And stuff. so, that's not for everybody. for those people who are hands-on and digging in and doing a lot of research and understanding pretty well, pretty fast. I think that's a true statement because these, I think these big hospitals, it's very hard to customize a treatment plan.
0: They're good, doing everybody. protocol. It's protocol, yeah. they have to do what is asked of them. And yeah. I love that you're saying this because that's one of the main goals of why I have the podcast and the website is you have to figure out what's going to be your best treatment for your body. And you help guide the conversation with your medical team who are doing the best that they can with the information that they've been given. Yeah. And devices, insulin therapy, everything is changing so drastically and quickly, they can't keep up. So
1: you're doing a great
0: job as a parent as knowing what's out there and asking the right questions.
1: Well, this podcast and and a lot of the others that I've listened to, I've probably listened to one podcast before Poppy's diagnosis. <laughs> And I'm, I'm. that's being honest. And since her diagnosis, for me, I love reading, but see, hearing stories and, and yeah. listening to people deal, how they're dealing with things and modifications they're making, it is absolutely invaluable for a parent and, and for Poppy to an extent as yeah. well, to see it and to hear people going through it. So thank you for what you're doing, because it makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference.
0: Well, thank you both for being on the show. And this is one I think a lot of people will really understand, especially the parents that are listening to the podcast. And this is great. And I want to say, I'll end with this, as this is one of the few, I think maybe two others over t- almost 10 years where I've done a parent and a kid, a child or, another, or you know their child with diabetes. So oh, wow. I will We're definitely, <laughs> well, and I, I look forward to, should the podcast keep going and as well, interviewing you guys again, maybe in five or so years, or as Poppy gets older in different stages of your life, yeah, you know, because diabetes changes and so does parenting. So,
1: you know, I listened to your last podcast and I maybe, maybe the next time you interview us, Poppy will be the second Ninja warrior with type one. Ah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it her. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just
0: to get it all and you know. As I wrap up, I want to remind you, know you that I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. So feel free to contact me at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.